0: Welcome to episode 15 of DC Drop, where we talk all this week's news in DC movies, TV, and comics. I'm Tom. And I'm Zach. Well, Warner Brothers has officially announced that production has started on the Joker film, the Todd Phillips, Joaquin Phoenix Joker film, and they sent out a press release on that. They also had a synopsis for the film.
1: Joker centers around the iconic arch nemesis and is an original standalone story not seen before on the big screen. Phillips' exploration of Arthur Fleck, who's going to be played by Phoenix, a man disregarded by society is not only a gritty gritty character study but also a broader
0: cautionary tale yeah a lot of people are making jokes uh we have the joker's name at least pre-joker arthur fleck a lot of people are comparing that to affleck a fleck get it um i don't think that's why it was chosen but uh more i think i think it has more meaning to that but that is the that's a pretty vague but vague synopsis but it tells us a little bit about at least what they're going to be doing with the character of the joker yeah and it's it's
1: basically the same as the other things that we've heard about this film, that it's about how he becomes a Joker. And is I think they've mentioned that it's a cautionary tale a few times about
0: maybe you should be nicer to people or they'll turn into the Joker. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what exactly that cautionary tale is. You never know who might be the Joker underneath. Uh, it did confirm the cast, of most of what we've heard, you know, Joaquin Phoenix, Robert De Niro, Bill Camp, Bill Camp Francis Conroy, and, a quarter- and Brett Cullen was also in that name. He's, he's from... Ghostwriter in the Dark Knight Rises, according to ComicBook.com, he has been cast as Thomas Wayne. So not Alec Baldwin, but Brett Cullen. Yeah. So Alec Baldwin was not not joking.
1: Wait, yeah, he was telling the truth when he said that he was not playing Thomas Wayne.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that was confusing. Uh, writer-director Todd Phillips is also producing. So if you want some technical info with Bradley Cooper, they apparently have a production company company together, Joint Effort Productions. So. Bradley Cooper, Todd Phillips, and then also Emma Tillinger-Koskoff will be direct, uh, producing the film. And Todd Phillips actually shared a photo of Joaquin Phoenix f- preparing for filming on Instagram. Obviously pre-Joker, If assuming we eventually get to a pasty, white-skinned uh, Joker. Uh, what do you think of this look at Arthur?
1: The, the nicest thing I can say about Joaquin Phoenix... I, I guess this isn't the nicest thing... I- I can say the nicest way I can put this is that
0: <laughs> Where's this going?
1: He, he does a very, very convincing job of looking like a person that I don't think I would want to like have approach me on a street as I'm walking. He There's just something about him that looks unsettled or sort of menacing, even if he's not really trying to. I don't know.
0: He looks like a creepy guy and he's pulling that look off pretty well here. <laughs> that's I don't know. That's a nice thing to say, but right. <laughs> uh, I get what you're going with there. I'm yeah. I've told I've said in the past. I'm not sure how good this is for Warner Brothers DC as a whole to do these Elseworlds things. We'll see. But the most fascinating thing by, by for me by far, I like Todd Phillips, but what Joaquin Phoenix does as Arthur Fleck and the Joker, I'm fascinated to see what he can do. I think no matter what, he's going to do something. Unique and interesting, and something that could be really fascinating. I think he could really dig into this role, and I'm just really excited to see. Obviously, he's got this this weird look. Uh, see this character, how he portrays it, and what he brings. You know, I think one of the, one of the, my favorite parts of Heath Ledger's performance was all the weird mannerisms and things that he had, and and how he really got into and felt like he was, you know, he was one with that character. And I'm sure Joaquin Phoenix is going to dive in. And do try to do uh, obviously his own thing, but something as something powerful as well. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, that comes out just over a year now, October 4th of 2019. The Hollywood reporter had an article on birds of prey and sort of listing names of actresses testing for roles. I don't know how heavy you want to get into this act because more will be testing for the roles soon. And there's just a bunch of names, but for black canary Gugu Mbatha raw and journey, Smollett bell, have tested Huntress Margaret Qualley, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and Kristen Miliati. Renee Montoya, Justina Machado, and Roberta Colindres have tested for that role. And Cassandra Kane, they're looking for someone to play a 12 year old. Uh, and they're going to go young with Cassandra Kane. Do any of those names jump out to you, or do you have any like strong thoughts on this either way? Um, there's also in the article they mentioned Janelle
1: Monet, who I, I like a lot. She's in Hidden Figures. So but they said that maybe she hasn't actually tested for the role of Black Canary yet. Um, but um, other than that, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, I liked her a lot in Scott Pilgrim versus The World. Um, but other than that, a, a lot of these are not super well-known to me. I haven't seen a lot of their projects. Just overall, it's pretty cool that they're looking for a pretty diverse cast of people. Um, but yeah, other than that, there's not a whole bunch to get into, I think.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't have much to say on this, A, because I don't know... These most of these actresses I don't know very well, and also we're probably going to get official castings within the next couple of weeks anyway. So it's not uh, it's not that exciting to try to guess and figure out who could be in each neutral. I'd rather wait for the official ones in that capacity. I still still remember the short list for Hal Jordan Green Lantern, which yeah. was a year and a half, two years ago, and obviously nothing has came of that yet. So um, this one looks like it's actually going to be soon. So hopefully we get some. Uh, legitimate information or not not legitimate information but some actual casting soon as it's going to be filming early next year yeah other casting for dc universe there is a star girl now breck Basinger has been cast in the lead role of courtney whitmore aka star girl in that series she is has appeared in this, in the television series school of rock and all night and i think she was night is 19 years old so that makes sense to play a high school sophomore <laughs> by us tv standards she'll be playing fourteen, fifteen, or whatever so 15 16 in that range so yeah we have our star girl and i don't know much about her but jeff johns was involved in this casting and he says she will embody courtney whitmore and nobody knows the character of courtney whitmore better than jeff johns so i'm sure he's uh he knows what he's doing with that and, and, and this is a series that is definitely unique to everything dc that i am glad to see i can't believe really like there's not any high school centered yeah. TV shows with everything going on in DC like something like early early days of Smallville or the Midvale episode of Supergirl something like that as a full on series I think could be great. Obviously, there's going to be lots of superheroics in it too, uh, but I think this is this has got a good potential to be something unique.
1: Yeah, and that, that's exactly what I was going to bring up is that that Supergirl episode where they were in high school like the flashback that's what really got me hankering for a show like this again so yeah i'm like you said this is pretty unique and i'm excited that we're going back to this kind of time period and you know i a 19 year old to play a high school high schooler that's that's pretty good i mean i think (laughs) you can probably do that till you're about 30 so there's a good
0: 11 seasons of this i think though they could they could burn through oh yeah i think tom welling was 24 when he was playing 14 right (laughs) uh the first year of smallville so like She's quite young for the role, actually. They also had
1: a synopsis of the of the show, and they said outside of costume, Stargirl is known as Courtney Whitmore, a young woman who's described as smart, athletic, and above all else, kind. The high school sophomore's seemingly perfect life, it's a major speed bump when her mother gets married and her new family moves from Los Angeles, California, to Blue Valley, Nebraska. Struggling to adapt to a new school, make new friends, and deal with a new stepfamily, Courtney discovers her stepfather has a secret. He used to be the sidekick to a superhero. Borrowing the long lost hero's cosmic
0: staff, Courtney becomes the inspiration for an entirely new generation of superheroes. Yeah, love that description. Very obviously, they probably just copied it very much from Jeff John's Stars and Stripe when the early series of Stargirl before she was even called Stargirl. But yeah, it sounds what it looks like. And I'm I think that's a, a fantastic way to go with this series. Like we said, something something very different in, to everything else out there. DC TV wise. Yep. Other casting, Maria Sten has been cast in Swamp Thing as Liz Tremaine, according to Deadline. She was in Channel Zero and Straight Out of Compton. She will be a friend of Abby Arcane, so best friend. She's Liz Tremaine is a smaller character in DC history, and, and she will be playing someone who splits her time between reporting at the local paper and bartending at her aging father's bar, Roadhouse Bar. So, um, yeah, I don't know what's on about the character. We, good to see Swamp Thing starting to come together more.
1: Yeah, not super familiar with the character, but she was really good in Straight of Compton, and so, again, they're, they're bringing in some, probably not some super well-known ta- talent, but some talent, nonetheless, uh, into these shows, so I'm, I'm excited to see
0: what she does. Yeah, she's got a good resume for uh, mm-hmm. one of these shows. Uh, writer and executive producer Gary Doberman also talked about Swamp Thing with Slash Film in an interview, and they said it will be hard R, although you know, it's streaming they don't really go through the mpaa but you know that shows you what they're going for graphic violence adult themes and lots of scary horror stuff
1: yeah and he said because we're doing it through the dc streaming service they really pushed us although they didn't have to push hard for us to go as extreme as we could we really took our inspiration from the alan moore run and swamp thing this landmark i i think uh fans of the of that series will know it gets pretty weird and extreme and scary we really wanted to live up to that standard that moore set up back in
0: the 1980s yeah that that all makes sense for me for swamp thing to go off the alan moore run and everything like that and not surprising that they're going very adult with it um i think it was a surprise for a lot of people that they were going that way with titans but it it seems pretty clear to me dc universe is going after it seems to be going after the people who buy the direct-to-dvd animated movies where they they have been mostly pg-13 and more and more have been skewing r so that seems like what they want to go with the majority of these series obviously star girl being the exception
1: yeah, and they have the freedom because they it's on a streaming service and they can they can basically do whatever they want. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that they can tell better stories, um, but it definitely means they can tell different stories and so I hope that they can use the ability to tell different stories, like because they can tell these hard R stories to tell
0: better stories um, right. that you couldn't tell if you weren't allowed to do some of those things. Yeah, I hope it's just not a lot of blood and language just to have Right. All of those things and, and all that uh, Interesting thing, there is going to be a physical costume Designed by Fractured FX Who have done a lot of movie and TV costume designs And Doberman said "quote It's going to look amazing And less of the man in the suit that you've seen in the movie And the other TV show So the, yeah, the, I think costumes have come a long way Since the 1990s Swamp Thing TV series And yeah. hopefully it looks good But I think this is a smart way to go Have a physical costume So if it was entirely CG, it might look better But you would be running into a problem a la Martian Manhunter on Supergirl, where you can only show show them very limited times. And so this will allow more of Swamp Thing to be in the Swamp Thing series, although there, there's still problems with a physical suit, um, you know, being in a big hot suit, filming in 90 and 100 degree weather. But I think uh, this is the way to go, and I'm, I'm glad. Yeah,
1: I mean, they can do some amazing things with practical effects nowadays, so I, I'm sure it will look weird and creepy and pretty impressive i'm sure that all of the the people who have been involved in a lot of horror projects are going to make sure that 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 looks right so i am again
0: excited to see that they can also do depending on how much they get into swamp things power set they can enhance the the costume with special effects or when he does different things uh, so that's good uh the series is also going to feature the origin of swamp thing not not shocking but i'm glad to see i like seeing the origins especially in a television show format when you've got a long way to tell them yeah and much of it we speculated on this before, but much of it will be told through Abby Arcane's point of view. They can cross over with Titans and other shows if they want, but they don't have to. It hasn't really been discussed, so it sounds like it's still open. There's not really any obvious ways to cross over with Titans or maybe the Doom Patrol, but I'm glad they're, they're keeping that option open so it can happen. But Swamp Thing is, you know, he's in the swamp. He's mostly going to be by himself. Yeah, and
1: I mean, as far as we can tell, it really seems like for the most part, this show is in its own lane by itself being everybody working on it completely separate from the Mm -hmm. other dc streaming shows we've seen so it makes sense that you know it probably just hasn't even
0: come up really and they also said they'll touch they'll naturally kind of touch on environmental topics it's kind of a inherent to swamp thing uh but they don't want to become too preachy or anything like that so they won't get too heavily into it but i'm sure they'll they'll touch on it in some ways yeah Uh, Next
1: up, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross of Nine Inch Nails are going to compose the score for HBO's Watchmen, so you might not know, uh, you probably may have heard of them, but you maybe didn't know that they also compose scores sometimes, and they actually won an Oscar for composing the score to The Social Network, which I did not know until I read about this, so um, Oscar-winning composers are composing the score for HBO's Watchmen. That's pretty exciting.
0: Yeah, I'm not terribly, you know, I don't remember the score to Social Network or anything like that, so I'm not terribly familiar with their their work, but... This just shows me again, I mean, top to bottom, Watchmen is going to be the, the highest production quality of, of anything we see DC TV related by far. And so this is, this just goes along with that, getting Oscar winning composers. Yeah. Well, the Arrowverse crossover news details are coming out for this year's and, you know, we don't have ton of details yet. Started to get our first information on stories, usually around this time of year, late September on a Friday is when they release a, maybe a title and... A poster or something like that, so get more details. But we have our Lois Lane. Uh, it looks like Elizabeth or Bitsy Tolick, who is most well known from Grimm, will be playing Lois Lane in the crossover. They don't know how many episodes she will be in, but yeah, that is the Lois Lane she will be appearing along with with Superman in this this year's three episode crossover. We don't know how many of those are Lois Lane involved again.
1: Yeah, I'm not super familiar with her, so not not. It's hard to get excited about that. Um, because I'm not super interested in seeing Lois Lane, and then there's somebody I don't really know who's playing her, so it is what it is, I guess. <laughs>
0: yeah, um, I'm not familiar with her either. She's got a bit of a Lois Lane look um, a look to her, and I, I don't, I'm don't. i not sure how she's going to fit in or anything like that. How, um, we got some hints maybe of what the story will be, but I'm not sure how Lois and, and Superman will fit into all of this. Uh, Cassandra Jean Amell, who is the wife of Aerostar, Stephen Amell, has been cast as Nora Freeze, who in comics is obviously usually most well-known for being the wife of Mr. Freeze. Uh, Deadline also referred to her as a supervillain, which she's not commonly. She has been sometimes. So I don't know if she's going to be a villain in the crossover or what, but yeah, Nora Freeze is coming to the Arrowverse. It would be fun to have her be a villain
1: and she has to fight her real-life husband, who is a hero. That would just be kind of fun,
0: but we'll see. Yeah, that's interesting. If they if they do go the villain route with her, I think it's a good possibility that she is one of the villains locked up in Arkham, because we are going to see Arkham apparently because Jeremy Davies, who is known for Lost and DC fans might know him as Richie Sipson in a couple episodes of the live action Constantine series, and he voiced the character in Justice League Dark, has been cast as John Deegan.
1: And so it says, uh, John Deegan, a doctor at Arkham Asylum for the criminally insane in Gotham City, who might just be crazier than the inmates he treats. He, His machinations will draw Green Arrow, The Flash, and Supergirl to Gotham City.
0: Uh, some places are calling him the main villain, like Hollywood Reporter and some other places have said that. Other, other places hasn't not. Uh, John Deegan, not a name from DC Comics that I know of, but there is a John D. Dr. Destiny, if I have to guess, that's who this is, Dr. Destiny. Pretty cool character. Uh, originally a Justice League villain back in the '60s, and he's he was in Neil Gaiman's Sandman, where he was super creepy. Uh, a lot of people might know him from the Justice League animated series, where he was in a the villain of a two-part episode. He's had telepathic powers in the past, and in the Justice League episode, he got the power to go into people's dreams. That is where he he did some really creepy stuff, but he could control people in their dreams, and the dreams. In the The Justice League episode is interesting because Batman and Martian Manhunter are staying awake trying to save everyone else. He enters the dream of all the other Justice League members and some crazy stuff happens for each of them. And Batman and Martian Manhunter help them out. I could definitely see something like that where the main heroes are in this dream state and Batwoman maybe and someone else sort of has to help get them out of it or something like that. I could see them taking from that. But again, no no guarantees it is Doctor Destiny. But if I had to guess, that's who I would think it is yeah i mean i think that's as good a guess as
1: anybody is going to have and if it is if it does end up being dr destiny and they do end up doing something with dreams that could i don't know going into dreams is always kind of a tricky thing for like storytelling but it could make sense for the superman stuff and everybody like all these other characters showing up like you said it would maybe open up an avenue that would make more sense to see them in these episodes than stuff happening in the real world
0: yeah and the the crossovers have dealt with the dream state or whatever yeah. you want to call it before with the dominators and i could see that because you could do some really cool and weird alternate stuff in the dream state without having to worry without having a big physical battle in the real world i think if done well it could be a really really cool way to see some unique stuff in there yeah so warner brothers has announced a new division for consumer products and other stuff um it is going to be warner brothers global brands and experiences led by pam lifford so Uh, Basically, they will be working on things like toy licensing, theme park stuff. I assume the notebooks with Justice League characters on it, that kind of stuff. I've seen this misreported as that or misinterpreted as DC Entertainment is now moving under that Pam Lifford is going to be leading DC Entertainment as a whole. My understanding is that that's not that at all. So it's going to be, you know, getting the characters out in the public outside of the the movies and TV shows and the obvious ways. (laughs) Yeah, and and hopefully this
1: involves getting a theme park built, you know, within a couple miles of my house. But um, <laughs> she hasn't responded to
0: my emails, so we'll we'll see about that. A DC specific theme park would yes. be pretty fascinating. Uh, there is a lot you could do with that. I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. We know there's uh, there's some DC attractions, oh, all, all over the world. Um, but yeah, that would be great uh dc universe is now live so first off before we talk about that there's a scene from titans released on dc daily featuring dick grayson and jason todd the two robins did you check that out Zach?
1: yeah it's it's really short i mean it's i will say it's it's better than the other clip i've seen from Titans so far I, I was more interested in it. it was nice funny um talking about the batmobile but yeah not
0: much to glean from it but it was it was pretty cool to see them both together already yeah i this is probably my favorite thing i've seen from titans um yeah it's fun and everything but it is just it seems like how dick grayson and jason todd would interact it is it is weird it is awkward because there's kind of his replacement and yeah i think dick would be mad if jason got to drive the batmobile and he never did uh so yeah that was it was pretty cool it was pretty fun um i don't know where this fits in or anything to the show but i'm surprised they're introducing both robins so soon yeah me too so now that DC Universe is live, do you have any initial thoughts on it, Zach?
1: Uh, I mean, I have played around with it, not a ton, um, but just from the little bit that I have, it it's pretty smooth. I, I've like run into sections where, and I think they fixed this already, but sections where there's still some like placeholder text and obviously mm-hmm. it wasn't completely, completely ready and it, there's stuff to do on there. But of course what most people are waiting for and what i'm excited for is the original streaming new tv shows to come out and that's not coming for a while so um but there's plenty of stuff to do in there and it's i've liked it so far
0: i think this is a great deal if you're a dc fan i mean 75 bucks a month you could get 19 individual issues of comics yeah new ones uh or one omnibus or three blu-rays or something like that so looking at it from that perspective it's a great deal and you get tons of stuff there's great backlog of movies and tv and everything like that everything seems to work pretty well yeah there's some minor bugs here and there but i, I like the way it's set up A comic book selection there's a lot of number ones but if you look around there are some runs like all 11 issues original issues of jack kirby's new gods are there but the rest of his fourth world stuff that he did at the time the other three series there's one to three issues each so you're not going to get to complete everything this isn't going to replace your comic book buying if you are a regular comic book buyer which I know a lot of people wanted but I think it's a really good selection for that and you can try out a lot of stuff and there's some more complete runs like there's that Alan Moore Swamp thing I think there's 15 or 16 issues of that that you can check out so overall I think it's really good really good value but yeah I, I wonder for people who don't follow DC as closely if there's any reason to hook people I don't think I, I question if it was a good idea to open up without a new episode of something uh, an original programming because uh, a lot of people are going to who aren't sure about this? were not obvious going, obviously going to buy it? It is a wait and see, and there could have been something to really hook someone in. And without that, without a TV show to go, uh, it's a little surprising they launched it. But you know, maybe they've got good numbers now, and then next month when Titans launch, they'll get another bump. and And hopefully, it, it all works out.
1: Yeah, I mean, this some of the stuff I've seen from just poking around, like in the profile section and the the social not social media but like the forums and that kind of stuff there's a ton of stuff that they have set up and a lot of really interesting looking features so as more people get on it and actually start using it i'm really interested to see how much use those social functions get and they talked about like moderating all of that stuff so i'm um,
0: i'm interested to see how that works too yeah so we'll get we'll see as it evolves but i think it's a pretty promising start for it yeah all right
1: last up today we have a twitter question uh you can always Ask us a question on Twitter if you want, and if we feel like it, we'll read it. So we had a Twitter question from Tony TonyWaltGator93. If Legends of Tomorrow never existed until this spring, what eight
0: characters would you like to see Rip recruit? Awesome question. I love questions like this, and I've been thinking about it a lot. Uh, it's really hard because... I think of how the universe would be different if Legends of Tomorrow, how that universe would be different if Legends never existed. And that is too hard to think about. So I'm going to take this as assuming all the events that have happened, the first three seasons of Legends happened. And um, so we keep that. Um, Was there any characters you definitely would like to see join to the Legends deck?
1: So I I just picked eight characters and I kept some of the characters that are already on there and added some other people and maybe some people that have been on legends constantine i just like number one just wrote that down and then sat for a while because i just know that i want constantine and then everybody else is kind of fluff not really but i really want i really really have liked constantine on legends and i think he is the absolute perfect fit for it so constantine for sure uh guardian and Mon-El, I I really like both of them on supergirl and i think they've been underused and i think they could actually you know have a bigger role and be more interesting outside of supergirl maybe mon uh, Monel especially more than Guardian. Like, if I had to pick one of them to take away from Supergirl to put on Legends, I'd I'd take Monel and leave Guardian on Supergirl. But if I could have them both, I'll do that. Kid Flash, which he had a brief appearance and didn't really get used well, but I think he could be used well. He's a little overpowered, but I still like having him on the Legends. Um, but then Mick, and Zari, and Ray, I would keep them over. I I really like them. Zari has grown on me a lot. I wasn't so sure about her at first, but she's grown on me a lot. And then In addition to Ray, I would also bring on the Ray, the live-action version of the Ray uh, that we saw in the crossover um, last year. Yeah, and I would, I'd have him be a a permanent member.
0: What about you? Yeah. uh, So I, if I was, if I was starting Legends today, it would probably be similar to the original cast. But since I, in my scenario, those already happened and a lot of those character stories are wrapped up. I'm not going to include those. But I would probably keep from the current team: Constantine, Ray, Mick probably sarah and zari and then nate and amaya uh we know amaya is not going to be back or is going to be a different version or whatever they do with her charlie whatever they do with amaya this year but i think nate and amaya had a good wrap-up to their story at the end of season two probably and then season three it got a little repetitive so i like those characters i really liked them in season two season three i didn't like them as much so I would probably get rid of those even though and then I would add Gypsy and Maxima. I would really like to see maybe Legends of Tomorrow become a multiverse traveling show led by Gypsy. I think that would be a really cool thing to see and they would be traveling to different places and things like that different earths obviously and I would lean into the Arrowverse more and so if this would be almost impossible to do from a scheduling perspective and planning out seasons for all the different shows. But if there's going to be a long stretch where James isn't on or doesn't have a big role in Supergirl, he only gets a couple lines here and there, put him on the Waverider for a couple episodes. Maybe they recruit him because they go to an Earth where there is an evil guardian that they need to stop, who is taking control. I would love to see stuff like that. Um, that would basically lead to more episodes like Star City 2046 instead of, you know, the random different time periods they travel to which i like but there's three seasons of that so i think it would be cool to see something different yeah and, and basically not, we would yeah it's a really ahead. great a really great point i and i think
1: you're dead on with gypsy like that would open up so many storytelling abilities to travel around to different multiverses instead of just different time periods and it could still be different time periods within those different on those different earths but it frees you up to tell different stories and i really like her as a character as well and again another one that we just haven't had the opportunity to see enough
0: of yeah, and we could see the alternate versions of the characters, the actors we know, playing the roles we know, and get to see different versions of that, and that would allow to bring... And then Maxima, because I like Maxima, I don't know, uh, she had a brief cameo in season one of Supergirl. Most people have probably forgotten about it, but I, I think she's a cool character and would like to see her, see more of her. And in this scenario, she would be replacing Nate as sort of the muscle on the team, the big muscle. Uh, she's she's very powered, overpowered, maybe for Legends, but I think they could... They could pull it off. Yeah. And then, yeah, I would like to keep one or two spots open, have a a bit of a rotating cast like we've talked about in the past where, like I said, Guardian could come on for a couple episodes. Elongated Man could maybe get a few episodes stint. People like Patty Spivitt could come back from, even though she's not a superhero, I think that'd be cool to see her come back in a different scenario and with different writers. So, yeah, I'd like to see characters whose time is up maybe on the other shows be able to come appear on Legends for, for different reasons yeah and then the multiverse concept could just bring back ton of actors that we've seen in those roles before you know maybe go to smallville's earth or something like that and see justin hartley green arrow all sorts of different things you could do
1: yeah like you said it just it opens up so many opportunities that's a
0: that's a really good idea all right well that is all we have for today thanks for listening and we'll be back soon